co-mongers look at you. In the beginning, it was woe to you, children of man. Evildoers grew strong and nations grew weak. Then the gods sent Tommy T with wrath. He who did dear followers of the devil, the warrior of the wastelands. And he has a number. It is a unit number. And that number is 8675309. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So welcome to a very special episode of Legend Lore. And today uh, we are going to be talking about D&D and fantasy and its influence on hard rock and heavy metal. And what that was in the beginning, there was a little bit of my ode to uh, a little Iron Maiden, uh, Number of the Beast, a little bit of a Motley Crue's introduction to Shout of the Devil in the beginning, and all the other weird kind of crap that you, they'd always tack on in the beginning of these fantasy songs. But what we did learn from that is we learned about the warrior of the wasteland, Mr. Tommy T, who is our very first guest today on this podcast ever. Tommy. Oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Ah, it's the Kool-Aid man. It's Hi, a, everyone in podcast land. So a uh, little history. Tommy and I have been friends since high school. We have known each other forever. And uh, Tom is a phenomenal musician. A guy can play anything, anything. But he's a fantastic guitar player. And that's uh, one of the early things that uh, I, I first really admired about Tom was his ability to pick up any instrument and play anything. And he's he's got some knowledge about music, yeah, definitely for sure. I don't know if he's he's not deep geeky like I am about these things, but uh, uh, just thought Tom. You can hear my accordion. Uh, your accordion is killer, man. You, you you know, Weird Al's got nothing on you and your accordion. See, I nothing. imagine describing Tommy like I've heard that Tom has a beard down to his knees and wears a sorcerer's hat. <laughs> Lightning crackles through his eyes. Tommy lives uh, a little bit farther away from us. We don't get to see him much, so he's called in here. Uh, but probably should introduce ourselves. You might recognize the smooth voice of uh, <laughs> DM. Sorry, go ahead. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, DM uh, Osborne here. So this is going to be a little, little, little more fun. Yeah, little, this is a little goofy. This little bonus episode we're going to be throwing your way. I don't know. Maybe we might release the, this episode just to the Patreon users first. And, yeah, I uh, think that's Then good upload idea. this. So, uh, so Given that they decide to release this. Yes, yes, yes. After yes. this, you, you might never do a special guest ever again. <laughs> it's all in your hands, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, you're paving the way. If you screw this up, nobody else will ever be on this show again. I'm, I'm literally sweating. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so going back uh, a long ways, 
you know, fantasy, the genre of fantasy and D&D in itself has had a very huge influence on a lot of bands over the years. And I, I, I just realized it the other day. I didn't, you know, it's just something I've always kind of accepted and, and, and taken along. Like I always love when I hear a band that's doing some fantasy lyrics or, or, or in the, the case of some of the newer bands doing D and D related lyrics. Uh, but I, and I know we're not going to hit everything. We're not musicologists here. So if we miss your favorite band talking about this kind of stuff and we're only mentioning certain bands, it's because we can't get them all in there. And leave a comment underneath yeah, saying that, who we should check out if we mention, if we fail to mention something. Yeah, please do that because I'm always looking for new music. Uh, one of the things that uh, I guess for me, the realization that fantasy was part of rock and roll and heavy metal started, uh, you know, with my introduction to Led Zeppelin, uh, Rush, and Rainbow. And Tommy, you're a big Tolkien fan. So I, I know, I think I remember, I kind of remember this and I may be remembering it wrong, but I think it took you a while to figure, cause you weren't really a big Zeppelin fan when we were kids, were you? It, it took me a while for just about everything. So <laughs> that Led Zeppelin was, yeah, I was probably like, yeah, late twenties when I discovered them and, and Tolkien, I mean, definitely, yeah, I was like well into my thirties before I read any of that. Oh, and wow. then it all all of a sudden became clear like oh like they're talking about lord of the rings and things like that so yeah yeah with the, with like I'm the, a late yeah with like the battle of evermore and uh over the hills and far away and and to some some extent misty mountain hop uh, even though it's really not a song but I, they need to talk about the misty mountains but i, I remember that moment when you told me that because you were just like man hey mike 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 did you know that this you know this song was <laughs> was about, about about lord of the rings i'm like uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, <it's fine. laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, which is, oh, by the way, I just noticed it. How did how did you how did you say uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's name? It, I actually researched that this morning because I knew we were going to be talking about it. And I was like, I better get his name down because these guys are going to be getting it right, and you got it wrong. It's Michael. Tolkien. It is actually Tolkien. I've always either, pronounced it Tolkien. All of it. I know. I did too. And I was like, all right, which way is it? So it's. It's either Tolkien or Tolkien is is what I was getting from YouTube, and these were like from interviews from back in like the late sixties and stuff oh, like that. Wow. So oh, wow. If you say Keen, you're pretty good. So keen it's at a, the end of it. So just see it's like, like Keen. In. I was gonna say like Keen. In. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, wow, okay. Tolkien or short Keen. Well, see, look, and here I thought I knew so much about fantasy and rock and roll mm-hmm. and heavy metal, and you have just taught me something new. So and, that and means you're just a show. That means our, you're a shill. Yeah, that means our one listener that listens to us is, <laughs> is getting that too. Completely disgruntled at this point. I think we can call it there, guys. That's, that's it. That's the show. That's but, the show. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> We've done our job. Uh, yeah. know how to say something. Yeah, so, so I don't know. Like I said, I just you know gravitated toward this 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 music when I was a kid obviously like I started off this really weird journey listening to all my parents old music but and then when I got into their 60s collection like Zeppelin and and Santana and all that shit I got really like oh my god this is awesome this is my thing hard rock and heavy metal I want to do this this is this is who I am and um when I realized that they that these bands were doing this uh it just blew me away I remember the first time I was listening to Rush, uh, like some of their older albums, because obviously I didn't really discover them until the 80s. Uh, but when I was listening to their older albums and they had songs like Bytor and the Snow Dog and the Necromancer, oh, yeah. which is very Tolkien-esque, mm-hmm. 
because uh, it starts with this introduction that's that about these three travelers, men of Willowdale, which is actually where Rush was from, men of Willowdale, you know, journeying into the lair of the necromancer, and it, it's, you know, it's this epic tale, but it starts off with this voice that's all distorted talking about this, I think it's Alex yeah. Lifeson. Yeah, and, and they do that, and then they start playing music, it's like three parts, and each time, they in the middle of each part, they, they do that little spoken word thing mm-hmm. about... Now they're lost in the maze of the necromancer and they're getting caught in all this shit. I mean, oh my god, I got so turned on as a kid. I was like, I was just like, oh my god, this is the coolest fucking music ever. Yeah, no, I was gonna say, I didn't I was waiting for you to mention it, but the way that it's broken up, it's more of a story than a song. I mean, songs are a way to tell stories, but like that is truly like a hybrid of the art form. Yeah, it's spoken word and sung with you know instruments. Yeah, oh absolutely. I don't think they sung with instruments, but they did play their instruments while singing. You would be correct. <laughs> Technicalities. 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 Your parents were a lot cooler than mine, by the way, Michael. Your parents had Led Zeppelin. My my mom had like uh, uh, Liberace. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up listening to that shit, and I'm just like, yeah, wait, what? There's Led Zeppelin. What's that? So yeah, so yeah. Liberace was a uh, he he did some fantasy stuff too, but that was a totally different Very thing. Different there was some BDSM Pretty involved. Sure he so. was- he was pretty big in the Church of Satan, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> right. I think he was Anton LaVey's left uh, right hand man or something yeah. like that. Some some kind of hand. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't discover. Um, well, I guess that's not true. So I had heard Rainbow's uh, "Man on the Silver Mountain." I'm a man Which on the silver awesome. mountain. Yeah, that is in my top ten like favorite songs easily. Like every time that one comes on, I'm just like, oh my god, I love this song. You got to bellow that at the top of your lungs, and the riff oh. is so riff tastic for a riff that's. It's kind of weird. It's not heavy, but it is heavy. It's not. It, it's that weird Richie Blackmore playing where he could play heavy riff without distortion. Yeah, yeah, it, it transcends reality. So I remember first hearing that song, uh, and I think it was at uh, it was at a carnival, and it was I was on a ride, and I can't remember what the name name of the ride was. It was like snow toboggan thing, and the the you know the coked out carny was playing Rainbow, and that's the first time I heard that song. I thought, man, this is kind of cool song. It was really catchy, but I didn't really discover Rainbow until I'd already been well into Dio on his own, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I went back and I was just like listening to Man in Silver Mountain. The lyrics are so cool. I've, I've used the things he talks about in those lyrics in D&D campaigns. Awesome. I had a man on a silver mountain that was like this uh, this wanting to be worshipped as a god, you know, made to be made holy again. Yeah. And, nice. uh, and, nice. and then when I went back and I listened to all those Rainbow albums, I mean, there's all kinds of things like uh, um, Stargazer and uh, Kill the King and Kill all the King, yep. All these songs are just like, holy crap, man. Dio is just slaying these lyrics, these fantasy-based lyrics. And, you know, that kind of takes us a little further to the to the 80s when he got into Black Sabbath. And although there were some kind of black, there was kind of some fantasy-esque lyrics in Black Sabbath. I mean, Heaven and Hell and a couple other ones. It wasn't mm-hmm. until he really launched in his own career. And, you know, then we have that, you know, famous, famous uh, first album, uh, Holy Diver. Oh, and yeah. everything off of that was just rocking, and everything off of that was just recognizable as fantasy, basically. Yeah, I mean, I gotta say mm-hmm. that like Dio is the god of fantasy lyrics, fantasy songs. Like everything through his entire career has been so heavily influenced. I would actually go to say instead of D and D being influenced by him, he influenced fantasy. Oh, Our yeah. modern interpretation of fantasy was 
divulged from his lyricism and the way that he actually weaves the words to make the stories right. of the songs. Like, Holy Diver, late in his musical career, re- relatively late, you know, passed a little bit. Um, but that song is literally being made into a graphic novel that's supposed to release, I think, in no, the next couple of months. I know it's a separate thing, but, like, it, it, it's it's a cross-reference. Like, these right. things have, they influence each other. It's, Dio's the best. <laughs> that's all I gotta say. Yeah. Uh, so, has anybody done any research on that? Like, as far as, like, what Dio's forces? Like, was he reading a lot, or? or uh, yeah, he, from what I understand, yeah, from what I understand, uh, he was very much into um he was very much into the renaissance kind of stuff and a lot of his earlier lyrics that did deal with some of that stuff uh uh-huh. but yeah he was an avid reader of uh, science science fiction and fantasy he taught he taught I've, I've heard him talking about it in interviews and uh in early on in his career he started off he sang doo-wop dude in the freaking late oh, 50s yeah 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 oh, yeah 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 because i mean you can get, find that stuff on youtube it's crazy wow. yeah because you gotta remember like you know all these guys from like for my youth right or like all my dad's age <laughs> yeah. so when my dad was yeah. working a job and listening to country music because he got into country music at that time these guys were making the metal and the hard rock i listened to uh but don't get me started on that whole damn graphic novel thing. Man. <laughs> don't get me started. It's another episode. Yeah, it's another episode. And let's just say I had an idea. And oh, I, I know. may have sent off my suggestion to the Dio estate. And mm. now years later, something similar is coming true. But in, I'm sure that they <laughs> never, I'm sure my shit never got through to them. I'm sure that I never probably got past their, their, their gatekeepers anyways. Yeah. It was just such a good idea that somebody was eventually going to, take his lyrics and, 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 and do do fiction with them. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I did have, at least I had the altruistic thing is that I was going to give any proceeds to can- cancer research since yeah. he died of stomach cancer. It, it was, it's fitting. Yeah. <laughs> Got the whole thing worked out then. I had it all worked out, man. I just couldn't get, you know, I didn't have any traction, couldn't get a hold of anybody. But, uh, all right. So I digress <laughs> a little bit. So, uh, but the thing is with Dio, uh, I also think that not only was just his phenomenal storytelling through the, through, through, through these lyrics because every song is a freaking story man absolutely every song is a story well and i, I was thinking about the whole thing i mean it's, it's the imagery like when you get into these fantasy novels and and all that you get such amazing imagery and i think it just lends itself to writing songs and i think when you're a, a musician and your job is basically to, to write songs and to you know to make music you're always looking for something new to, to put in and so it just it really lends itself with the imagery and, and and the volume of stories that are out there to land in songs basically oh yeah dude that you know it's something i didn't even really think about it but you, yeah that you're you're dead on man i mean that's and it is and it's weird because if you think about it music is so strongly connected to our memory too mm-hmm and then, sure. if, and then if you're taking music and you're making it visual like that, like really painting that picture with that music, well, and, enforcing it, and really you you can only write so many love songs, you know. I mean, that's always <laughs> the, the first thing you write is like a love song. Oh, my girlfriend when I was 14, you know, broke my heart, and you can't, you know, you can't that's what you write love, about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. <laughs> I don't think you. But then eventually you're like, okay, I'm done with love songs. What's next? You know, and it's like what you've been reading, and and yeah, I think that fantasy really fits in you know just perfectly yeah the the uh, creativity of creating composing songs and writing lyrics lends i mean it is fa- fantasy it's fictional you're cr- like yeah. they are they're one of the same of course they would cross over 
Yeah, no, I think that's that's true. Though, Tommy, I don't think your first song was a love song, was it? I thought it was Monster Vision, uh, uh, Channel sixty three. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was about boobs. Pretty sure my first song, the very first, was about large breasts. Well, we were and then I kinda we were teenage boys. To say, like fourteen year old Tommy. Was, yeah, yeah. but it, but again, it's it's the things that make an impact. You know, the things that impact you at whatever age you're writing the song, which at fourteen was boobs. Absolutely. What's your you interest know, at the time? Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's true. No, that's true. So I got a I got a question because you know talking about that we were talking about the the visual pictures that uh, that uh, lyrics paint, especially Dio's. Uh, he was he tried to get on the forefront of videos for MTV, but they had such bad production quality on his oh, videos. Really? I don't think they ever caught on. And people look at him now and they kind of laugh at it a little bit. But he was. Did really- anyone have good? Back in the 80s, the early 80s? Not the early 80s, because this was this is early 80s when MTV was taken off. But he tried to do that, to bring it also to the forefront with videos. Like, I mean, there's this one famous video, and it doesn't look like he's a singer, not an actor. So he's, like, dressed in whatever kind of fantasy costume, and he's got this fuck, this gleaming sword. And he's like, oh, oh, I've seen that one. Seen yeah, it? yeah. And unfortunately, all his videos had really high concepts that they didn't have the money yeah. behind to really produce. Like if he would make a movie, if after videos took off big with MTV, if he would have had that money then. But I think after that, he just went to make like strictly live videos because he had a phenomenal live show and his stages were nuts. Uh, Tommy, did, were, you, were you there at the Sacred Heart Door? I have never seen the okay. I couldn't remember if you were with me or again, not. Again, yeah, a tragedy. Yeah, it's Rush, a, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot you never seen Rush. I, I feel like I, I failed you as a friend. You uh, did. You failed. <laughs> I blame you. So the Sacred Heart Tour was very visual, too, and he had a massive stage set up, and he had a massive dragon, like oh. the neck, the head, uh, wings coming over the stage, and it, like, breathed thing. fire in the whole nine yards. So he brought all that fantasy imagery from his song straight to the stage, which was phenomenal. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's something that I'm aware of, but even talking about it now, like, just how interconnected fantasy is to it, is it the entire part of heavy metal is is fantasy. Like, yeah. Like, that's obvious, right? But, like, thinking it, like, just works in my head. It's like, wow, it just, it really is part of everything heavy metal's ever been. Yeah, absolutely. And well, that- and I wanted to kind of segue a little bit into, like, Black Sabbath, because when Black yeah. Sabbath first started, which was basically the first, heavy metal band arguably anyway you know their whole thing was trying to be dark and and you know like a a horror movie kind of a thing because they just realized that people like horror and they just did it on a whim and all of a sudden it caught on but i think that tends to tie in a lot with with the fantasy genre too you know you got you know demons and all kinds of stuff and so yeah i think that's a big segue there too yeah, I think you're right on that. Uh, I think that it's 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 a way to go uh, to to you know Black Sabbath was definitely the, the guys that kind of started it off and got it going right, um, and they did have those fantasy elements for sure in some of their earlier songs, though they were more focused on that horror aspect of things. And uh, later on, they would you know with with Dio and the band they get in, into more fantasy. And when they came back, by the way, uh, when Dio joined the band again in the 90s, they did a phenomenal album called Dehumanizer, which was pure science fiction. Oh. Like, all his lyrics were science fiction. It was all about the, about um, kind of how technology affects man and us becoming merged with technology. Oh, it's a fantastic uh, album. But then they, later on, after Ozzy came back, they couldn't use the name Black Sabbath with anybody else in the band besides Ozzy because Sharon's a great businessman and 
That's what she got done. Yeah. So Dio did come back and do an album. It was his final album that he did before he died. Yep. And they just called themselves Heaven and Hell. And it is probably the heaviest music Sabbath has ever did. Probably the heaviest music that Dio's ever did. And yeah, I the, agree. this album is just rife with fantastic images like the Bible Black. The song The Bible Black is just literally about this dude discovering this ancient tome of knowledge and and just becoming obsessed by it and becoming more powerful, but also having it completely corrupt him too. And it was just, oh my God, it was amazing. Yeah, that album made me cry. Yeah, it made me cry too. It's, uh, I mean, it's also about like, because he knew he was uh, dying. Yeah. He knew yeah. he had cancer. So he, a lot of, it's so heavy and dark, I think, because he's at the end of his life. And it's not necessarily sad, but it is, it's coming to terms with things. Like it, it, the darkness, the heaviness is, is, it's almost like the stages of grief. Like, you know what I mean? Like the, and the album kind of progresses that way as well. Well, yeah. And I think he actually, at that point, I think he knew he had cancer. Yeah. Yeah. If he, I remember, I think right. it was either in the middle of it or it was bef- during or before. Yeah. It was yeah. right around then. Yeah. I think he knew he had cancer and that, 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 that was tragic in so many ways. It, it was just so funny. Every time I listen to a Dio fronted band, I always think, oh man, I miss this dude. Yeah. I, I really wish he was around. we, we technically still have uh, Ozzy Osbourne tickets uh, for That's the last true. three years. The two <laughs> times they were canceled, canceled twice, and then <laughs> canceled got by COVID. So oh I think yeah. I have Iron Maiden tickets from. Oh, I think we just lost Tom there. So hopefully Tom calls back. Oh. So I want I want to kind of segue up a little bit, and uh, we'll move on because I just realized we are spending a lot of time talking about the past, and I did want to get to some newer bands and everything as well. I'll give Tommy a moment to, to call us back here. I forget what we were talking about. <laughs> so anyways, I was saying that we got kind of, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of getting stuck. I kind of want to move ahead a little bit uh, in, in, in years here to talk about this. Cause I mean, I think Dio is almost like a podcast we do just by ourselves, just like for yeah. an hour talking about him, but we've been pretty heavy with Dio. Yeah. But, but as we were kind of around that, around that 70 stage where Rush and, um, and Rainbow and Zeppelin and some other bands were kind of doing all this stuff. Some other bands kind of, kind of brought out, some fantasy elements too. Blue Esther Colt did a song about uh, Stormbringer. They call it the Black Blade, but it's basically about Stormbringer. There was all these bands going on, and, and that kind of continued into the 80s a little bit until Dio really took it over, and that was the birth of power metal. Power metal in Europe got really huge at that time. Like, there were all kinds of bands coming out and really being very successful with it. But then as we kind of moved into the 90s, it was like the thrash bands kind of started taking things over as far as like having those fantasy elements like Metallica, you know, uh, doing, um, crawling chaos and a couple other ones. They do, uh, uh, Cthulhu. Cthulhu. Yeah. All that stuff that they did. And, you know, Megadeth had like the conjuring and the fantastic song, uh, five magics Slayer had more than their fair share of fantasy related elements. Testament did a ton of that kind of stuff. Anthrax obviously doing a ton of that stuff. Priest. Priest doing a ton of that stuff because he priest even in the in the early eighties priest had some fantasy elements, mm-hmm. but it wasn't really until they came out with Painkiller where they I think they totally embraced it. I mean they had some like on um, Defenders of the Faith had the Sentinel which we were just listening to today, yep, and a couple other songs like that. And each album would have at least one song that was kind of fantasy related. But then we get to Painkiller and it was kind of a concept album, and it was very very fantasy driven and also very very heavy mm-hmm. monster album monster album. I mean, geez, I don't know how uh, uh, Rob Halford didn't just shred his his his, his vocal cords. He probably, probably suffers from that today, shredding in that studio. But 
Hey, it was worth it for our listening pleasure, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So if we want to not obviously skip, but if you were talking modern bands. Yeah. Well, let's, I was going to get there. So, cause there was a fade out a little bit. Uh, yeah. as far in, in Nirvana, America, the Nirvana era. Yeah. When we get into grunge. the 90s era and we get a little more past, even post grunge, and we get into what they call the new metal, new metal, metal phase, yeah. they were very angsty. Yeah. You know, and it was all kind of angst driven, anger driven songs. Punk pop era. Punk pop era was in there. There was so much stuff mixed in there. You had the Red Hot Chili Pepper kind of guys out there doing their things, the alternate scene. Um, Stupid teenagers. <laughs> Ruining everything. Ruining everything. <laughs> And the the thing being is that um, you know I was a fan of all those bands. Oh, I, had, I had all that shit. I still fucking I still love Corn and AIC and mm-hmm. all those guys. But you know when I listened, but I was also an angry young man at the time, and I think I kind of lost a little touch with my love of the fantasy and and music. Though across the seas, in Europe. It was bigger than ever. I mean, yeah, you had down on fantasy. Yeah, you had huge metal. bands coming out of Norway and huge bands coming out of Sweden and Germany. Not Sweden, uh, Norway and Finland and Germany. Sweden was getting into the black metal phase, which I mean, you could take oh. as take as fantasy, but I don't take it as fantasy because they're so concentrated on religion. Yeah, I mean, it's whole. almost like uh, it's like grim dark. Like it's technically fantasy, yeah. but it's it's so dark and so different. It's almost its own category. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of grim dark. And I know, I know, Tommy. I know you kind of got a, a, a black metal bug, even though that's that's one genre of metal that I'm like I'm I'm very much a rookie at. There's a couple bands I've listened to and liked over the years. Uh, uh, well, Not much super hardcore, yeah. But yeah, but but you, you you've had a little more experience metal. with it. Yeah, you, you've had a, a little, little more experience with that. But the Portland black metal scene. Yeah, what was uh uh oh shoot I forgot the name of the band. Agalog. Agalog, yeah. Off. Yeah, that's yeah that, that uh Agalog. Casey's brother, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, so you got a little bit more into that than I did and, and I, I think I always got a little turned off by not necessarily the darkness because I like dark music. I think I just it's got more like pagan. A lot of it was pagan and yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a that sort of thing. Yeah, rather than fantasy. Yeah. So it was a little different. Yeah, kind of a bent. And I definitely got a little turned off on the whole religious aspect of it, you know, especially with them, like, you know, being kind of, you know, I don't know, just like that, that war between Christianity and paganism and all that crap. And I'm just like, I don't know. To me, sure. I was like, I well, want And not to mention the music, probably, you know, that whole growly vocal thing like that. That's kind of an acquired taste for yeah. a lot of people, too. For sure. It's <laughs> yeah, that I can appreciate yeah. in small doses. And it's, I mean, it's talent. Don't get me wrong. It's just not something that I find, like as pleasurable to listen to. Yeah, it's not it's oh. not it's not quite like a Tom Araya scream or, or yeah. some of the thrash metals when they're they're a little growly like t- uh Billy uh, Chuck Billy from Testament can be a little a little growly mm-hmm. but it's 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 not but they're also melodic too at the same time so but yeah. uh, there's growls and then there's yeah like whatever the hell guttural yeah black metal. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like whoa, what's that? And so, uh, basically, I think it, to me, I, it started kind of again in the mid two thousands, like maybe two thousand ten ish or so. I guess maybe I don't know. It, I, I lose track of time anymore. You know, it's part of getting old and not re- old. realizing how long I go ahead now. <laughs> that I think st- like is two years old and it's ten years old. I think like uh, you know bands like Mastodon and uh, Gypsy, awesome. Gypsy Hawk, which we'll talk about a little bit more in, in just a couple minutes. Uh, kind of started bringing that back a little bit more, that concept of the fantasy concept. In, yeah, Mast- Mastodon and Sabaton, great, Sabaton. Uh, great time period pieces for that because they, they really did revitalize both, I think, heavy metal. They really injected in new songs. that I mean, It's always been around and there was new music being made, but I couldn't name one that came out in probably the 95 to 05 era no. that really stands out to me. 
they really did. I think I think it's about that time time to 2005 to 2012. I think that's when we really did see a re- uh, revival of yeah. fantasy and, and true heavy metal and then power metal and a combination of, of the genres. But I think that's I think yeah. you're right on with that. Yeah, because there were some bands out there in the 90s still doing some stuff. You had Guar, but they were doing that kind of comical mm-hmm. fantasy, and you had uh, yeah, it was you, almost like skits. Almost. Yeah, and you had Bolt Thrower, but they were all focused on Warhammer. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, so there were some bands out there. They just weren't quite, I don't, I don't think they were quite as sophisticated, maybe, if yeah. that's the word I'm looking for. War is I mean. so sophisticated. There's, were they wearing <laughs> suits up there? Like three-piece suits? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I'll say a Guar show is always fun, though. Uh, so, fun. So, so, yeah, so definitely they started, you know, starting to see that come back a little bit more. And I've been discovering a lot of bands lately that I just, you know, and that, and the reason why is because I always use combat mix for D and D we're playing. And I had a few bands in there and I was like, well, I want to start discovering. So I just started looking at things like when I'd be listening to bands, like if you like this band, check this band out. And I found like grand Magus does a ton of fantasy stuff. Got, Oh, what's the name of that band? I'm trying to, Oh, you got a haunt is doing stuff. You've got a uh, screamer doing a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, Debbie Gibson. Debbie crazy. Gibson. Oh my God, she's got to be doing the most heavy, heavy metal <laughs> fantasy I've ever heard. I mean, yeah, her and Tiffany. I think. I think Tiffany did it. Redid. I think we're alone now. But they. But she yeah. did it like heavy metal, and she was talking was about Cthulhu being. And, yeah. yeah, the whole. Yeah. Uh, I think we're Cthulhu now. Yeah, yeah. I think we're Cthulhu now. <laughs> Pretty sure that was the name of that. One. I think it'd be like. I think we're insane now. <laughs> You got like Visigoth. You got a bunch of bands in there. Uh, War Kings is a good band too for that. But I mean, the one, the band I really want to kind of hit on because it ties so heavily into the D and D, or the two bands that tie very heavily into D and D, are Gygax and Cult of the uh, Cult of the Reptile. Uh, Children of the Reptile. Children. I'm sorry, Cult of the Reptile. I thought it was Cult of the Reptile too. Yeah. We were trying to remember the band yeah. name. Ch- Children it's... of the Reptile, but they do. T- t- they have a song called Cult of the you Reptile. Call yourself a fan. I know. Well, actually, I just discovered those guys, and that was just because of Keenan telling me about them. So we'd mentioned Gypsy Hawk earlier, and Gypsy Hawk is... So the ashes of Gypsy Hawk gave birth to the band Gygax, uh, guitar players, lead singer, that kind of thing. Uh, Gypsy Hawk came out, I think their first album was 2010, 13, something like that. Yeah, let's, uh, let's find out. I can't remember. Anyways, they came out, and even though there's a lot of the same members that are in Gygax... Uh, Gypsy Hawk is a lot heavier band. 2012. 2012, yeah. They're a lot heavier of a band. They're a lot uh, more jammy of a band. They're more experimental. They embraced fantasy lyrics, but the fantasy lyrics they embraced, they have a song called Hedge King, and they got a song called The Red Wedding. So we fast forward from Zeppelin taking J.R.R. Tolkien's <laughs> lyrics and putting yeah, them to music to fast forward to now, and, or 2012, and you've got... Gypsy Hawk taking George R. R. Martin's lyrics and turning them into songs and in in, in such a fantastic way. But well, they, they also have a song called Frostworm. Yeah, Frostworm. That's a great song. I'd imagine that that is um, based off of World of Warcraft. Yeah, probably. The, the Wrath of the Lich King expansion, I think, came out in 2008 or 2010. And it features a couple of Frostworms. And that was massive. At the, I mean, that was, yeah, that was during huge. one of the peaks of World of Warcraft. So, that, I mean, that's, and that's, fantasy and the original was based on a as the number crunching was dice rolls actually like it did it all yeah. for you but it's it was basically D yeah on yeah. a computer 
So, so, the, so these, so this band, Gypsy Hawk, like I said, I, I really love them a lot. Uh, I probably favor them a little over Gaiax, uh, just because of the heaviness and the experimental, uh, how how they're a little more experimental with with their, yeah. their music. But they did have some songs that you could see were the roots of where they were going to become with Gygax. They have the twin guitar attack from uh, Thin Lizzy kind of sound. They even have a song called, I think it's called For Those Who Love the Liz or something like that, which oh. is honestly just a Thin Lizzy anthem that sounds exactly like Thin Lizzy. Yeah. And uh, so when Gygax came out, came out uh, they, uh, they, started out, <laughs> they started out with their first album, and it was called Critical Hits. G twenty on the cover. G twenty on the cover, and, and obviously with a with a name like Gygax, you know where they got that name from. And anybody who's a D and D fan, you're gonna stick with a certain yeah, a certain genre there. Yeah, and they so, really doubled down. Yeah, that. and so their songs there, their their songs there are pretty much uh, all D and D related, uh, except for well, no, they are. I don't think there's anything I couldn't I'll, refer I'll to pull as up the album real quick. Yeah, I, that I couldn't refer to as D and D related. They do do some songs like Dice Throwers and Rock and Rollers. And um, it gets us through, which are anthems about D and D players, which is very interesting. So they have like these rock and roll anthems about oh. the coolness of playing D and D. By the way, Critical Hits was the newest album. It was uh, it was called Second Edition. Oh, second, no, Second Edition was no, no, twenty eighteen. No. Critical no. Hits says twenty twenty. What was their first album called? Then I can't remember. I thought it was called Critical Hits. No, that's the, it says it's the newest one. <laughs> no, let me see. Let me see this. I promise. Critical hits was you know, a, interesting thing about no, Gygax. That, so it's that, named that after is that, the guy that, who, that, that's who invented album. Dungeons and Dragons. It says 2020. <laughs> it, it, it's wrong. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, it must be a re-upload because it does have Chain Lightning on there, which was yeah. the best song. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so Gygax definitely takes in the D&D to, to heart, and they talk about, they have songs like Chain Lightning and uh, Second Wind, or not Second Wind, I think they call it... Uh, um, Draw breath, but it's about sec- it's about the second win feature. Yep. And then they have those, like I said, those those it gets us through and and dice rollers and rock and rollers. And they do have a song called Second Win too. Yeah. And then they also have a song on the new album called High. I think it's called High Fantasy, and that's mm-hmm. also kind of an anthem to those who love fantasy and playing D and D. Yeah, it's the album too. Yeah. It's High Fantasy. Yeah, and that's called yeah. This title, the album is High Fantasy. So the differences between Gypsy Hawks and and Gygax is obviously they focus more on this D and D instead of just fantasy related, and they are pretty much, they, they always get knocked for sounding like Thin Lizzy, but what I say is they sound like Thin Lizzy playing thrash metal because they play faster. Yep. They do still have some hardness to them in, in, in a few songs, but they, they play faster, but they play with that twin guitar dynamic and, and that just kind of that vocal sensibility, even though the guy doesn't sound anything like uh, Thelma Lanat from Thin Lizzy. But yeah. Um, so, so, so we've talked about a lot of bands and, and, and one of the reasons I want to do this is kind of turn on anybody's listening to some of these bands because they're great for your combat mixes. They could be great for ambient mixes, however you want to do it. But one thing I've, I've just kind of came to mind as we were talking about all this is what is your, what is your guys' opinions? Why do you think that fantasy rock and roll and heavy metal just go hand in hand? Deviant. Deviancy? Deviancy. <laughs> Deviancy, yeah, totally. Rock and roll, think about it. Rock and roll is like the one thing that pisses your fucking parents off, right? That's how it, right. That's how it started off. It's like, how can we fucking piss off my mom and dad? It's like, it's like rock and roll, and that's where it came from. And then the same thing with fantasy. Fantasy is like totally flying in the face of religion and all that other stuff. So I think they absolutely go in hand in hand simply because of that same mindset of like, you know, how can we just be 
bigger and louder and faster and, and scarier and darker. And of course they go hand in hand. That's, so that's my, my opinion. That's yeah. I, I totally, totally can see that. So I was thinking about that too. Cause, and I had the revelation listening to uh, the mix we had to kind of pregame for this. Um, and to me, I was thinking, it makes me think of like the first fantasy besides Tolkien to me, like modern fantasy is, uh, Robert Howard, obviously. Yeah. So Conan and the movie, uh, by the way, great, great soundtrack too. But when I think of the movie, I think of the books, the clanging of swords and on metal and the stomping of hoofs and and, uh, men and the noise of battle sounds like heavy metal. It sounds like guitar and drums and and, and, and shouting like all of it sounds like battle. You just blew my mind. You are what so right. Fuck? It's 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 a perfect fit. <laughs> it is the perfect, and I never thought of it that way. Uh, I I definitely uh, I can agree with Tom on on the the the, the rebellion kind of thing. If you think about it, because I mean, for the longest time, you know, fantasy the genre was looked down upon by quote unquote legitimate writers, looked down upon by critics as being the stuff of children or the stuff of deviants, mm-hmm. right? So was playing D and D. I mean, yeah. I've talked about it so much in, in, before and occasionally on this podcast about how we didn't talk about playing D and D to strangers when we were kids because we were looked at as deviants. Yeah. Absolutely. Same thing could be said to being a heavy metal kid pre hair nation era. Cause yeah. there was, you know, there was a good five years probably where all of a sudden heavy metal ruled the world. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and everybody, right always, yeah, right. Right. And, and everybody was into it. I mean, think about that time. I mean, like think about the bands we were listening to when we were kids that nobody else listened to. And then all of a sudden we kind of had that MTV or hair nation era. And all of a sudden everybody's listening to these bands. And then we would nitro. look yeah, up nitro, look up nitro. And then we would, I think almost as a knee jerk reaction, look for something a little bit more extreme because it was really during that era of the hair bands. And even though I like a lot of the hair bands, don't get me wrong. I don't have a problem with that. I love, I, you know, I loved rat and I love quiet riot and Motley Crue was actually Motley Crue is still one of my favorite bands. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a certain knee jerk reaction that I had to go away from the mainstream to get away from the mainstream that I was seeing. Cause there was a lot of just imitation crap bands out there. Yeah. And that's when I discovered thrash metal, you know, that's when I discovered Slayer. That's when I discovered Metallica and Anthrax and Megadeth. And I was, even though I kind of came a back ass way to it, like a lot of people started with Metallica, I started with Anthrax mm. and cause I saw them in concert and they blew kiss off the stage. And I was yeah. like, what is this music? I must, it is, it speaks to me. I must consume. I am an angry it. young man. And then I heard, you know, the fantasy elements. I'm like, Oh, and plus they're talking about fantasy stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I think you're kind of right on that one, Tom. I think it does play into that whole, that whole let's piss the world off kind of thing, which is kind of weird mm-hmm. now that that D and D is becoming so much more mainstream and there's so it's more more popular than it's ever been ever. Well, I would say that gentrification of of your D and D mainstream man. Now yeah. we got to come up with something completely new to piss off our parents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but with D and D creativity is on the rise like art especially in i mean specifically in the u.s and europe i think that the opulence that we do live in even in you know what would be scratch that (laughs) with the quality of life that we live um it allows people to be more creative like if you don't have to go plow fields you can now write a book and i think that 
now we live in such a good time period technologic wise that we're able to create more and D&D is popular because of that allows people to exploit their creativity or uh, utilize their creativity. And we can look back on the, the uh, songs that helped pave the way for that. And we've always liked an underdog. That's why we love star Wars, you know what I mean? And D and D is a way to do that. And the fantasy elements tie back into the music that we loved and grew up with. It's kind of a full circle. It is a full circle. I mean, I don't, I mean, let me, let me ask you this, Tommy. Since we kind of mm-hmm. grew up in the same era and we were where really was at that time, I mean, you know, heavy metals evolved over the, all these decades and, and it's gone up and down through popularity streams and stuff like that. But I know like about sure. middle school, about the same time I discovered Dungeons and Dragons and began to play Dungeons Which and Dragons, I was Which also, yeah, I was also very much into like, <laughs> like, uh, I was into like, uh, uh, Aussie. And into who, who had a bad, yeah. bad reputation, and I was into like Crocus, and I was into uh, uh, what's no, what was the name? Uh, the only Kiss album, the Kiss album that got me into Kiss was Creatures of the Night because it's so heavy. But I was yeah. into this mm-hmm. really heavy music, and sometimes I felt a little, I don't know, out of place. I don't know if I felt like the underdog, but I felt a little out of place because at the time around us, everybody was really more into Rick Springfield and you know. And Billy, yeah. Billy Idol and Billy Joel, Billy Idol, and all those kind of all the kind of, and not there's nothing wrong with well, that. We were yeah. we were pretty, uh, yeah, we were pretty fringe, I think, back then. Yeah, I mean, it would be like, for lack of a better term, it's like edgy. And I was very much the same way, growing up in a completely different era. But like, I listened to what would be for my era extremely hard, like punk, like um, you know, like Lincoln Park, Papa Roach. Like those were some of the things I listened to in that same age group because yeah. they spoke to me, like you know, going through. Uh, Purity and other social situations, and not being like the the coolest kid on the block, you know, like those the, the music, the darkness of the music, and the hardness of it really speaks to spoke to me. I think right. that's why I found fell in love with heavy metal later in life because it wasn't the era it was happening, so I could go back and being musically inclined and enjoy it now. Yeah. And, it and was the same thing. My version was what you were listening to, or was what your version was yeah. then. And and I, and I think yeah. that. Uh, that, that, we were not mainstream at all. I think, I think, you know, that the things that weren't mainstream is what spoke to us, you know, subdivisions from brush and, yeah. and, you know, anything that was, yeah, fantasy was like, that's our shit. Like that's what we were into. Yeah. And I think, and I think that def- definitely goes back to my love of fantasy as a kid, you know, when I first kind of got into that kind of that stuff and I always gravitated, you know, I still do. I always gravitated towards the darker fantasy. I mean, I know, I know you, I know you love Tolkien and I know you love the Hobbit and all that stuff. And to me, like, I remember reading the Hobbit as a kid and I was like, oh, it's kind of cool and all that stuff. But I always gravitated towards the darker imagery. So like when they did the animated uh, Lord of the Rings, Mm. I was the, the darkness of the imagery really drew me. It did. It really drew me. Oh, the ring rings are awesome in that. Yeah, it really drew me. And that's kind of how I discovered, you know, the darker side of fantasy with through like Robert E. Howard and H.P. Lovecraft and stuff like that. And I was like, when I got into that, I was like, oh, man, this is, this is my jam right here. Mm-hmm. You know, which is why I love uh, the, the uh, Song of Fire and Ice books because they're very dark. They're not high fantasy whatsoever. Yeah, they're, they're low fantasy and... And again, that plays into my whole thing. Sorry to cut you off there, but like the whole, you know, not necessarily deviancy, but like Mm non-mainstream, you know, I think D&D, fantasy, heavy metal, they're all kind of that whole, like, yeah, how do you not be mainstream? Oh, you can go here, you can go to metal and all Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. And I think they all kind of feed on each other to a certain extent. Well, that's why when you're playing D&D, 
and you're, if you're the DM, you can watch your players and they go into a bar and instead of like being normal people and socializing, they're like, I go sit in the corner <laughs> and I brood. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> there's something that draws us to being, being edgy, man. That's what we do. <laughs> all right. Edgelord, all right. Edgelord, you go over there and brood. I'm going to go get a drink. Yeah, exactly. My necromancer is going to scoff at the party and sit in the corner. Like, that's it's a, something you can do. That and it's kind of comical, but it's it's a Dini's an expression of right. fantastical Absolutely. elements, right? All right, guys. Well, I think we kind of really covered a lot of ground there in a very short time, and uh, we definitely kind of I think I think we summed it up pretty good. I don't even know if we need closing thoughts for that. No, the only thing that I want to say is please do if you like metal please do check out Children of the Reptile. They're, they're basically unpublished. Yeah. Um, they're from Indie North Band, Carolina. Yeah, yeah they're, they're really small. They've been going for like since 2013. Yeah, they get several albums. Yeah, but they're all self-published. Like they're a small, small band. Gygax is like published. Like yeah. they, you know, they have that following. I think Children of the Reptile is underexposed and I'd really like to shout them yeah, out. Yeah, and we didn't, I guess we didn't give them enough. That They do have some, uh, they have some very heavy, heavily influenced fantasy lyrics in what they do and, and they even have and there's even you can even feel hear the touch of D in, in there too i have a feeling these guys are dnd players for sure i think they'd have to be with yeah. their with the songs yeah with their songs so yeah so definitely check out children of the reptile if you haven't uh and in any just go out there and look for any of these bands especially if you're a dm and you need a good soundtrack uh it's 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 the best i love playing this stuff i mean when we play sci-fi we'll do our, our synth wave our dark synth wave that kind of stuff and that's cool it's perfect for that but Something about combat to these these fantasy songs is just perfect. Well, Tommy. Yeah. Well, how did, how, how do you feel? You feel good? You feel good about being our first guest? You doing all right? I feel good. I feel really good. Thank you for inviting me. I, I wish I had more to, to contribute. You you seem to know a lot more about everything, but I definitely uh, had a good time. So no, no, you, you can, oh, dude. You don't don't undersell yourself. You contribu- contributed quite a bit, so. Uh, okay. I, I guess we will let you probably pass with, I would say what, like an A minus yeah, or wow. should we give an A plus? Wow. I was thinking B, I B want plus. It, I think A minus <laughs> because he had a call in and he wasn't willing to drive up here True, and, uh, yeah. in the studio and do it. That, so, that you know, was, negative it half for uh, work ethic. I think it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm blaming the cell phone for everything. Oh, definitely. Definitely <laughs> cell phone's problem. And, and, and so we'll, uh, we'll, uh, We'll go ahead and we'll, we'll go ahead and say that we can tentatively pave the way for future guests now because Tom has done a good job. Yeah, leave a, leave a like. Your guest cherry. <laughs> yeah, leave a like, subscribe, tell us you want to see Tommy again on this, yeah. and uh, let us know what you think of this specifically. If you want to see more side content from oh, us, oh, I could definitely tell you some stories, some role playing game stories of some funny, funny stuff that Tom has done oh, in the past. I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> this is going online, pal. I got a job to keep. What's that? What, what's that? What was the saying? Never get caught with your pants down and your guns off in a parallel dimension. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like Tom to me. All right, guys. All right. Well, thanks for hanging with us today, and uh, thanks again for uh, for Tom for being here with us. Um, if you like what you hear, please stop by snwproductions.com. Check out our downloadable content. There's links to our Patreon there. If you want to help us keep doing what we're doing, uh, you know, we have various levels that you can contribute to. We're not going to break your bank. Um, we're going to keep cranking out the content regardless. Um, the nice thing about if you're on Patreon is that if you, depending on your levels, you get a lot of access to stuff for free. So. I was going to say on the website, there's PDFs that are totally free, tons of them actually. And then from Patreon, you have access to 
tons of our stuff. So yep. please, we make shops, classes, adventures. All right, Tommy. Uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to I'm going to play us out one last time with this ode to you because I think it's appropriate. <laughs> All right. In the beginning, it was woe to you, children of man. Evildoers grew strong and nations grew weak. Then the gods sent Tommy P with wrath. He did dear followers of the devil, the warrior of the wastelands. And he has a number. It is a unit number. And that number, number is 8665309. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.